Blog Talk Radio. Mark Lazell, Presidente, welcome aboard. A cold Saturday morning here in Indianapolis, high atop the Ballot Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, Indiana. We will be are bringing you a a just a, a crazy look at sports. That's what we do here. Uh, my name is Tom Mark Lazell, Presidente. I'm the guide of this ship, and joining me here in just a few minutes is my co-pilot. Uh, for the uh, college football arena and 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 so forth, all around good guy Adam Jibbidan, super Brown fan, Buckeyes fan, super duper Cavs fan, Guardians fan, and uh, so he's gonna be joining us. And yo, well, college football's over. Hey, uh, we could get into the Georgia TCU game. We might just in passing, just so we could say. <laughs> WTF, but not a lot to talk about there. We, we, we're going to really kind of dive into the uh, coaching carousel, what's going on, uh, see who who's talking to who and, and what might land what. And, of course, of course, the playoffs start today. Playoffs? That's right. We're talking about playoffs. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, will join us in the last segment. Uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor, will help us break down the NFL playoffs. And, hey, do, do we are we still saying fly, Eagles, fly to the Super Bowl? I am. That's for sure. My name is Tom Mark Lassell, President Day, 917-889-8516. Adam Jividen on the other side. Be right back. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barber shark quartet. Pass the ball, pass the rock. 
Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Piquet, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you, what you, what you talking about, huh? Welcome back to the balance. I don't know that my voice is quite back. It's where it needs to be at, but hey, uh, it's it's that time of year, and uh, it's time to get talking about the coaching carousel, both the NFL and college. We'll talk a little bit about about both. Joining me now, Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, Super Buckeyes fan, Guardian Super fan, and Super Duper Cavs fan. I think I got that uh, backwards earlier, but either which way, he's a just super all around great guy. Adam Jividen, happy Saturday to you. How is you? I'm doing good. Tom. I'm I'm I was like you this week. Uh, I I was I was sick. I don't know what Tuesday through essentially yesterday. Today's the best I felt. Still coughing a little bit. I didn't have the I didn't have the COVID, um, uh, but I uh, I had some sort of chest thing. I would kind of work until like two o'clock and then just tell like my team I'm like I I can't think anymore. Um, so <laughs> then I was just gonna tap out for the day and. And spend the rest of time on the couch, um, which which my Australian Shepherd Bentley is maybe he's a great dog, but I've learned that when he's sick, he's a horrible dog because he wants to make sure I'm okay by like climbing me like a sure. mountain goat. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I 
didn't it get it. A, it was a good, it was a good but tough week. I tell you, I hear you. I know Ed was telling me that he was battling a little bit of the COVID the, this week too. But fortunately, he's uh, he's got come out on the other side and and uh, he'll be joining us here in just a little bit. Well, let's get right into this conversation. Let's talk a little bit. Well, let's just talk about it just for a moment because we don't really have a lot to talk about. But the Georgia National Championship, one of the gr- uh, biggest uh, uh, wins in in, uh, in in college football history. One of the most embarrassing losses for TCU. Uh, what did we learn about both teams? But I mean, I, 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 did, I mean, I think I figured that Georgia would win, but the, the total embarrassment that TCU was when they went out in the national championship. But I, I can't think of any other word to describe uh, what TCU was. They certainly weren't the team that we watched throughout the season that got them to the uh, yeah, college football championship game. I mean, I'm just going to touch on this briefly. I, I said this last week. I, I said Georgia's going to win in a row. Did I think it'd be that much? I, I, not that much, but I said it, they were going to – I said it was going to be over by the third quarter. TCU doesn't have the size to match up with, with Georgia's defense. They were missing um, uh, Keandre Miller, their star running back. Uh, so they were essentially going to be a one-dimensional team, which is bad facing Georgia. I said it, the Ohio State-Georgia game was the national championship. And, and realistically, Ohio State was a missed field goal or pick any one of the other horrible calls by the, the officials, which, by the way, anybody that wants to say I'm being biased, Nick Saban himself said on the national championship <laughs> pregame show that Ohio State got screwed. Now, some of that is gamesmanship with Georgia, yes, but essentially – everybody's come out and said, yeah, that hit on Marvin Harrison. That was a bad missed call. Um, a couple of the other calls that I pointed out last week were bad missed calls. But notwithstanding, the way that I look at it and the way that I said all season is even with the loss in the game against Michigan, the best two teams in the country this year were Ohio State and Georgia. Ohio State had one bad half of football, which led to that loss in that last game of the season, uh, the regular season. And then the game against Georgia was an all-time classic. So, you know, that was the national championship game. Um, And and, and TCU, essentially, they gave their absolute best game against Michigan. Um, And and that was was their ceiling. Like, and I think for me it says more about the state of the program that Michigan is in than it does about TCU. Because TCU played kind of over their heads, played with fire all season, and we kind of, a lot of people expected them to go in and get whooped by Michigan and expected a Georgia-Michigan national championship rematch from last year's playoffs, and obviously that didn't happen. So I just think that Georgia's that good, but that also shows how good Ohio State was to literally go lead for most of the game and lose by one point at the very end of the game with, I mean, tons of players hurt. I mean, not even – like, I've heard some Georgia fans say, well, yeah, but, but our second tight end was hurt, too. I'm like, yeah, but your second tight end isn't as good as our top two receivers, top two running backs, and on our, our tight end. So, it's just – it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to cry about it. Still had a good season. Um, but the, 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 the semifinal game between Ohio State and Georgia was – that was the title game. And we've seen that a lot in the playoff era – in that the, the, there's at least one of the two semifinals that's a good game, 
And how many of these games have we seen in the championship where it's completely lopsided? Um, we've seen it more often than not. I mean, even the very – you go back to the very first playoff year, Ohio State against Oregon. We were the four seed, Oregon was the one seed, and we killed them. And that was – I believe I believe Ohio State had five turnovers and still won by 20 or something. I mean, it was just – I think it was like 42 to 24 or something like that. So, I mean, it's just we are more accustomed to seeing the national championship game be less competitive than the semifinal games. So, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't surprise me. And, and, and we'll see how with the portal and everything else and the NIL, if that changes, we'll see really what happens with, um, with, with the change of the expanded playoffs. Because while I do think – do I think there's going to be, like, when they expand to 12, are there going to be 12 teams that are going to buy for a legit national championship? No, but what could happen, and this is where I think it could change things, is what happens when the best team in the country, let's just say Ohio State, Georgia, we'll use Ohio State in this scenario. What happens if mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison gets a concussion in the first round of the playoffs and they're the one or the two seed? That's where we could see some of those upsets like what we see more often in college basketball, right, is there is the more games you play, the more likely there is a chance that a star player gets hurt or something else happens that can cause the team that's not the prohibitive favorite to win. And that's what's interesting is, well, the the talent gap is still going to exist, but when there's more chances for things to happen – things will happen. It's just, it's kind of that like Occam's razor kind of scenario where, you know, the more chance you have to get hurt, the more likely you are to get hurt. So, you know, that's what I think what we're looking forward to in the future um, with the playoffs is, is how does that change? You're not necessarily going to have the best, the quote unquote best team on the field win every year. Absolutely. Well, you know, behind every winning team is a winning coach. And uh, that's, you know, well, whether, whether or behind every losing team is a losing coach, and, you know, I, I always felt like that the coach can only do so much that the players have to go out there and execute. But at the end of the day, uh, the 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 coach's ultimate responsibility is to to have a winning season. So let's let's just talk a little bit about some um, uh, of the top five. Uh, uh, coaching uh, scenarios. Let's start with Auburn. Auburn hired Hugh Freeze, obviously former coach of Old Miss and uh, your uh, Liberty University. Uh, so uh, Brian Harrison had a cup of coffee at Auburn and, and certainly was dismissed till October 20, 31st. Sorry, uh, with with no ties or previous experience in the SEC. Um, so. We were curious about him, but I, I, I don't know how how disappointment for Auburn. Okay, if you're if you're Auburn and you're hiring a coach like Brian Harrison, what's that say about you as a team, as an organization? I, I mean, I, the thing is, is like I didn't think Brian Harrison was a good hire to begin with. The thing about Auburn is. Auburn wants to act like they're Alabama, and they're not Alabama. Like, yeah, they've got the two national championships in the last 20 years, but that was largely like <clears throat> we're riding absolute monster superstars like Cam Newton, who everybody knew was – I mean, Cam Newton in college was unstoppable. Um, so, you know, Auburn, Auburn's a lot closer to Penn State at best 
than they are Alabama, Ohio State, you know, uh, Georgia, uh, uh, one of those upper echelon teams. But they act like they should be. You know, they, they fire guys after they've won national championships. They, you know, uh-huh. and I just think a part of this for Auburn is like, you have to look in the mirror and recognize who you are. And, they, and what they, they, they don't want to give time to coaches to, um, to, to develop. Like, like a good example of that is what we saw out of Tennessee this year. You know, like I feel like Auburn would have fired Josh Heupel after last year, you know, when they didn't win immediately. Or, or I mean, Brian Harson didn't win immediately in his first year, and they were already talking about firing him. Well, how does that fit mm-hmm. with you, you as a coach or, or with your coordinators when they're hearing you have one bad season or rough season in a transitional year and they're already talking about firing you? Like, you're going you're gonna to operate differently. And that's the problem with Auburn and some of these schools where it's like you, you have to give people time to do what they want. Now, do I think Harson was a good fit from the beginning? I don't. He had no time mm-hmm. to the South. It was it was a struggle for them, and I think Hugh Freeze will do better. Hugh Freeze did really good at Ole Miss until some of his scandals, and then he came to Liberty and did a great job with Liberty Flames. And but and Hugh Freeze will fit in there. Yeah, because but, of his scandals, I, mean, I, I because of his scandals, not, I was actually I think surprised. They're going to have another short lease with him. If they don't win this year, next year, is he going to be up in two years? Yeah. Well, speaking of Liberty, I was actually surprised when they did hire Hugh Freeze just because of the type of school and conservatism that Liberty has, that they, they, they would hire him right out of Ole Miss. That was kind of an interesting story back when it was playing out. You know, life in the SEC, Adam, is, is never easy. I mean, I, but Auburn does have several things working in its favor. I mean, it's, it is willing to spend big money uh, on a coach. Uh, so, we'll, you know, you're right. What, what's, what's the what's – the, uh, end of life uh, for um, Freeze at Auburn. I, I don't know. He has to have a winning season. Yeah, I, I, the I thing with recruiting, ta- recruiting talent to Auburn is, isn't really an issue as, as the program can tap into Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Uh, and, it, and it has tradition. It has facilities. It has history, resources, and ability to land talent. Uh, so I think for that aspect of it, Auburn does have what it takes. But as with every job in the SEC, expectations at Auburn are very, very high. As you mentioned, the resources are there, like I said, but what's this, what's this time of life, as you would say? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go right ahead, Adam. No, I, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to know because they've – I mean, again, you're talking about a school. They fired Gus Malzahn right after winning a national title. Like, it, it, it's similar to LSU when they fired Les Mills and then fired, you know, uh, uh, Coach O two years after winning a national title. Now, Coach O was, in my opinion, well-deserved because that, that, he, he had a program in shambles. But these guys, when you don't give somebody – when you hire a veteran coach, you can't have this assumption that they're going to turn it around in a year because it just doesn't work like that. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think you have to give guys time. Now, is Auburn going to give him time based off of their track record? Probably not. So will he be gone? And I, I would say I, I would say he has three years at most. Again, just based off of their track record, because I don't see him turning them around quickly. Uh, they, they have – I mean, they have to deal with 
obviously Alabama. They've got LSU in the same division. Um, they have – who knows how they're going to align once Texas and Oklahoma join the conference. They have Texas A&M to deal with if, if they can ever get out of their own way. I mean, I just don't – it's not going to be a quick turnaround. And are they going to give them the same amount of time? Probably not. Like, I just, I just don't see it. I think they'll, they'll have these unreasonable expectations. And if they don't – and if they're not competitive in the SEC West next year, which I don't think they will be, they'll start asking, you know, like, who do we need to fire next? Like, it's that's just – that's they have no patience, and they've shown historically they refuse to give somebody an opportunity to actually build anything. Well, certainly the, the changes across the college football landscape are, are fast and furious, if you will, and, and uh, the coaching carousel started uh, early uh, for, for uh, college football, so we'll see uh, what happens there. Real quickly, as we look ahead into 2023, we see the expansion of the Big Ten becoming a reality uh, to you know, include all the schools from the West Coast. It really is. It should just be called the National because oh, it's certainly the Big Ten does certainly does not it hasn't fit the title uh, for a long, long time. But I, I'm wondering what the impact that will have across uh, college football, and especially when we look at uh, college football championship uh, next year. How big of an impact do you think that this Big Ten expansion uh, will have? I mean, if we're talking like on the considering that that USC is coming in and USC. Granted, they lost their bowl game, like, in an epic fashion. Uh, USC, I mean, was what, fifth, sixth this year? It's going to massively shake things up. You combine that with the fact that Kevin Warren just stepped down, that's the Big Ten news that nobody's talking about right now, is the fact that the head of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, just stepped down to go be the Bears' CEO. So who steps in um, into that head seat? In Chicago, one of the names that I've heard is being pushed for internally is there's kind of like two dialogues. There's one gentleman that's been with the Big Ten as an organization for a long time. The other name that's being thrown around is Gene Smith, the current athletic director at Ohio State. So who knows what's going to happen there? That's that's pretty significant news because if they get somebody that is pro-expansion – do they turn around and add Washington and maybe Oregon? Or if you get somebody that is anti-expansion, do they just sit tight? I don't know. But I think it's – I mean, just the addition of USC and UCLA, once that kicks in, I mean, obviously you have the massive TV money that's going to come in. But I think now you're going to have kind of like what we see with the SEC, at least two – national championship contending teams in the conference every year. And I say at least two, because like right now we're going to see really good things out of, you know, we'll see good things out of USC. We'll see good things out of Ohio state, Michigan. I'm curious to see if Luke Fickle can have a big impact on Wisconsin. There's another coach that came into the conference that's taken a team to the playoffs. And then the expansion of the playoffs, I think you're, we're going to see probably when it goes to 12 teams, three, three Big Ten teams every season in the playoffs. And, and I think they could make some serious noise and kind of reverse the trend 
of how people look at the rest of the Big Ten. Um, when you're talking three teams consistently in in the title chase, because I think like if you just look this year, you would have had Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State all would have been in the playoffs. Um, Penn State won their bowl game. Ohio State obviously lost to Georgia at the last second. But again, in a 12-team format, we wouldn't have played Georgia in the first round. Um, and and uh, and then Michigan again would not have played TCU in the first round. So and then if you say okay, there were three teams from the current Big Ten, there would have been four Big Ten teams in this iteration of the playoffs if you included USC. One third of the playoffs would have been the, would have been from the Big Ten, which is which is crazy. And I think there may have been four from the SEC as well because you would have had Ohio or you would have had Georgia, Alabama. Tennessee, and maybe I don't I don't remember how it finished going into well, you know the play, the bowl, bowl season. Maybe one more being LSU probably finished in the top twelve. So when it goes to twelve teams, if you're talking about eight, you know between seven and eight of the entire field are composed of two conferences. That's that's where this is trending. Um, and then, you know, in any given season, if you look forward, if Notre Dame is even close, they will get in. Um, and that's if, AC, if that's if Notre Dame doesn't join the Big Ten of the ACC, which I know um, is a big internal push right now. It's pretty split of whether Notre Dame should join a conference. Um, and I, I think the writing's on the wall for Notre Dame that they need to, they need to make a decision. They can't stay independent forever. Um, and, and so you're looking at – this this tide where the way things are moving, it's moving towards two conferences being the Big Ten and the SEC, essentially running the whole of college football. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and, and that's that's it, it, that's just going to continue to trend that direction until until we have some sort of almost national regional format um, where maybe you have like a South conference composed of twenty some teams. You know, a, a north or like a north and midwest conference composed of twenty teams, maybe a west conference. Like, I, I just it, that's the way that this is trending. Um, yeah, now that's probably 10, 10, 15 years from now, but you can already see kind of the dominoes start to move that way, especially once the Big Ten and SEC add Texas, Oklahoma, UCLA, USC. With what I'm hearing, more to come from the Big Ten <laughs> potentially. In, you know, Notre Dame, Washington, Oregon, who knows? So it's, it's a lot that's going to be changing in the next four to five years from a sport that had minimal change for like 50 <laughs> and, then, and then a ton in the last like 10. Uh, absolutely. We're talking about Adam Jimmon, our college football co-pilot. We're talking about uh, the uh, coaching carousel that's going on. And, of course, we're looking to 2023 start college uh, football go. Let's, let's shift gears to the NFL. Let's start here at our home field area, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, miserable, miserable, miserable. Jeff Saturday did not have a very good audition, although he, he, he's expressed desire that he wants to be in the mix. I'm sure they'll, they'll hop to Jeff Saturday for more of a formality. Uh, but do I think he's going to be the new actual formal coach for the for the Colts? Not at all. And here's the thing: all this rumor about Jim Harbaugh, there still has not been there still has not been an official interview with Jim Harbaugh yet 
anyway. Uh, now, they have completed some in- interviews, and, you know, they, they uh, interviewed Dem- Denver Broncos defensive coordinator Algiro Al Vera. I've got to learn how to say that if they're hiring. And Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Brahini. Uh And Vera was one of the, uh, you know, bright spots for the Broncos this season. Uh, so uh, they, they like him. One of the other things that I learned this week also is that Frank Ballard is – is uh, going into a second set of interviews with the Panthers to be the head coach for the Panthers. So let's let's start with the Indianapolis Colts. There's a lot of people who have interest. Uh, our special teams coordinator Baba Ventura uh, has interest. Uh, the we have a great uh, relationship with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, our coaches seem to bounce around between each other as well as our players, and they are. Uh, this is no di- no difference. They're looking at Shane Steckman of the Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator as well, and others that that they're looking at. You know, the uh, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator. I talked with Rick a little bit about that this week. Ben Johnson. So those names are all floating around, but we still at the top of our list say Jim Harbaugh. But right now. The Colts haven't even interviewed him, and that doesn't mean that one's not scheduled. That doesn't mean anything like that at all. It just means that they haven't talked to him yet. So, Adam, I want to dig deep into your psyche. How do we fix the Colts? We've got to start with the coach. They're not getting rid of Ballard. Uh, They're not getting rid of Ballard, so let's just stop saying let's get rid of Ballard because for whatever reason, uh, he's in bed with Jim Irsay, and we got to figure out how to move forward. Go ahead. I I think that's like – I've, I've, I've seen, I've heard around Indianapolis, like, why aren't the Colts getting interviews with better candidates? Well, that's why. The reason why is because you're being forced to work with Greg Ballard, who has an archaic way of thinking about roster construction. And the reality is, because of all of the contracts that he signed, like the absolutely moronic Quentin Nelson contract, you're not likely going to get a great head coach, unless... It's somebody like a Jim Harbaugh who already has connections with the organization. Now, we know Harbaugh, as you said, has not currently interviewed with the organization. But I think this is one of those where you go, okay, Harbaugh hasn't currently interviewed. But the key word there is currently because I have a feeling he's he's familiar with Jim Irsay because of his time with the Colts. You know that Ursay has his cell phone number, and there's probably been a fair volume of yeah. uh, conversations <laughs> together. There just hasn't been a formal interview yet. Exactly. And, and Nothing official. Time, right, right. I even wonder if Harbaugh, if the job was offered to Harbaugh, if Harbaugh would want it because Harbaugh's not going to probably have final say over his roster construction. That's going to go to Chris Ballard, who, again, you tell me as a Colts fan, I don't know any Colts fans that are frankly happy with their roster construction. They shouldn't be happy with their roster construction because it's, it's really bad. Like, you look at every team that's in the playoffs right now, and there is an investment not just in the offensive lines, but in various skill position players, which Chris Ballard just apparently does not understand to save his life. Like, and I can understand you could say, well, you know, the Colts have Jonathan Taylor, and that's our investment. The team is built around him. Okay, I understand that. But there's, there's minimal effort to improve 
the wide receiver position. They're, for whatever reason, obsessed with Mo Alley-Cox at, at tight end. They've passed on dozens of really good tight ends in the draft because they're obsessed with this dude that they converted from being a basketball player, thinking that he's Antonio Gates. Well, guess what, guys? He's not. So I, I think that's the thing is, is like, I haven't seen in recent memory and a, a general manager more fixated on the talent he drafts than Chris Ballard. And, and that's why I don't know, or not why I don't know, that's why I don't think they're getting some of the quote-unquote hot coordinators interested in the job. Like we already saw that Chris Ballard essentially put this, the failure of this football team on the feet of Frank Reich. Like, basically said, it's, I, built, I built a winning football team. It's Frank's fault. Is essentially how it was. And then at the end of the season, we have finally heard a little dose of humility from Chris Ballard saying, this team wasn't built right to, to be competitive in today's day and age. You think? Like, it took you <laughs> 17 games to figure that out? I was saying that two freaking years ago, you moron. Like, I think that's yes. the struggle Colts fans are having right now. There's, there's no – I mean, if I'm a Colts fan, it's almost a sense of hopelessness because you're like, more than likely, they're going to they're gonna draft freaking Will Levis because he's the, he's the nice white dude that they can trot out at 24 years old. And, and you know what? If, if Levis succeeds, more power to you. But I, I just – I don't think they understand – what it takes to win in the game of football in 2022. They, they may have felt like they could do it if this was played in 2002 or maybe even 2012. But there's, I don't know if you go to, if you, if you were to interview other GMs and they could say, Hey, how many players on the Indianapolis Colts would you want over your starting player at the same position? Tom, how many players do you think they would they would they would take? I'm gonna guess maybe yeah. two or three at most. I agree. And that's the problem. The, the, the Colts are the most dysfunctional team in the NFL. Unfortunately, I'm a, no, I, I'm not. I'm not ashamed to be a Colts fan. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm ashamed that the team is the way that they are. But you know, I, I totally agree with you on the on the on the Ballard situation. And here, here's my thought. We we tossed this conversation around. You and I did, and I did with Ed and other people, uh, and our, uh, and other people in our fantasy football. You know, what about the Derek Carr situation? Well, as I shared a, a, a tweet that was shared to me uh, from um, uh, Football uh, in America, I think, or I can't remember exactly where the tweet came from, but they tweeted out the Colts have absolutely no interest in Derek Carr. Here's my thoughts. I'm, I'm bouncing back between it. Here's, here's the thing. I am under the personal belief that we need someone young and fresh, C.J. Stroud, Levi's, who have you. We get somebody out of the draft. However, going back to the Chris Ballard uh, piece of all of this, uh, he's never drafted a quarterback in the first round ever. And since yep. he's been, so why, yep. why would he suddenly change tunes now? Because we're in the, we got the top four, so we can we can have conversations about a C.J. Stroud. 
I don't know. And a lot of this is going to depend on who the new coach is going to be. If we've got a defensive coach, do we really what, – what we got to do is there's so many aspects you got to do to fix the Colts. Here, here's, here's some things. You know, Derek Carr, obviously available, as we talked about. Um, uh, Jimmy G is probably getting traded. Tom Brady's going to be a free agent. Geno Smith, a free agent as well. Uh, you know, Brian Tannehill uh, – Lamar Jackson, that's a situation. It's also something to monitor. Really, the best path forward might be the opposite of of getting someone fresh in the draft in the first round and and maybe start working to to fix some of our other problems that we we have. Um, Maybe it might be that. But if if we were to acquire a veteran, I would think it would be from that list that I just, just mentioned. And I, and I, I can't see why we would bring Tom Brady to the Colts, but there's a story to be had about that and a conversation to be had about him, uh, Jimmy G, or what have you. There is the compelling argument that Ballard has never um, drafted a quarterback in the first round. Uh, and why would he change his ways now? As you, as you said, he's got a very old way of running things. And at the end of the day, Adam, if the if the quarterback doesn't have somebody to throw it to or hand it off to, what 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 good does it do? So we we've got to look at all aspects of it. I'll get off my, well, my soapbox there, but what I are your thoughts? Yeah, a few things. Tom Brady's not coming here. If Tom Brady plays next year, it's for a team that he's going to try to win with. Right? It could be that could be the Miami Dolphins. Um, if if they don't feel like like Tua can get them to the next stage, or maybe Tua sits for a season while he's dealing with all these concussion issues, who knows? Um, if Tom Brady, I, don't don't count on Tom Brady. I wouldn't count on Ryan Tannehill, and I wouldn't count on Lamar Jackson. Jimmy G would make sense on a one or two year deal. Um, Derek Carr, honestly, if you don't, depending on what they'd have to give up for him. Because this is the thing is the Raiders right now have almost no leverage because they've already given up on him, and he's already been like, deuces. So I, I actually am like, you know, if Derek Carr can be had for like a second-round pick, I would do it all day long. C.J. Stroud is not available. Now, this is the thing. I've said, Colts, move up, go get your guy. And obviously I'm an Ohio State guy, and I believe C.J. Stroud is, better, is a better option than Bryce Young. Bryce Young is quote unquote very accurate, but Bryce Young also throws to dudes that are like wide freaking open all day long. And if you want to see what is Bryce Young in the NFL, we already have seen him. His name is Tua Tunga Bailoa in Miami, except Bryce Young is even smaller. His, his official height and weight, and Tom, you know this is a longtime sports guy, heights and weights are always exaggerated what? Up or down? If you're if you're a skill position player or a quarterback, they're always they're always raised up. They say they're usually like an inch and a half to two inches off. Well, Bryce Young in the media day for Alabama was six foot tall and 188 pounds. That's a high school kid. What happens? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's, let's talk about some of these other. And that's why we'll... that's why I lean towards C.J. Stroud. Is he not only can make he's not only got the size. He showed he has scrambling ability in the Georgia game that we haven't seen in years in Columbus. A lot of that is he felt like he shouldn't, 
but he's learning through that. He can make all the throws. The question is, are the Colts going to have the stones to move up to get him? That Tom, is what I think. And if the and if the choice is Will Levis or freaking Will Anderson, just take Will Anderson and go freaking trade for Derek Carr. But will I think they do it? No. Well, and that's why that I, I ran this scenario. Probably the best case scenario. Best case scenario for the Colts if they can't get C.J. Stroud, draft Will Anderson at four, and then trade for Derek Carr. So here's here's a scenario that I ran by you. You weren't a big fan of it, but it's an it's a way for us to get to the first overall draft pick. And you would think that would go to CJ Stroud and, and certainly the, uh, the so if the Colts could um, move up and, and do some sort of a trade uh, with the Bears and the Bears get the fourth overall pick and the thirty fifth pick and the and the first round in twenty twenty four in the second round of 2024, the Colts get the, would get the first overall pick in a scenario like that. A scenario like that would mean they are going after C.J. Stroud, but I don't think anybody likes that type of scenario. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot that has to happen. We've got to, first of all, we've got to figure out who our coach is going to be. That's where, where we've got to start yep. at because the coach and Ballard have got to work together in the draft. Let's talk about some of these other uh, teams while we've got a few more minutes here. I've been told that Jim Caldwell is interviewing for the Broncos. Obviously, we know Jim Caldwell from the Bears, and obviously here at the Colts as well. I think uh, Caldwell is a great coach. It was the Lions, Tom, not the Bears. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm thinking thinking of Lovey Smith. You're right. I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, okay. Well, one of of the teams with an animal on it. How about that? (laughs) In the the, the NFC North. There you go. All right. There you go. Uh, but I think he would be a good fit for the for the Broncos. I mean, no, I, God I, knows I the Broncos is a, is a hot mess in, in themselves. I, I do. I, I do think Jim Caldwell is the best. He's the best fit for anybody that I've heard there. He's a he's a veteran coach that can deal with some of uh, Russell Wilson's issues um, and help unify that locker room. Um, players always play hard for Jim Caldwell. He's a gr- he's just a really great fundamentals coach. And that's what they need to get back to. Um, I, I, I think he's a perfect fit for them. Sean Payton's not going there. Um, they also don't have – because whoever Sean Payton does go to uh, is going to have to make a trade for him because the, the Saints still have his rights. Um, and if you have uh, paid attention to the NFL, uh, the Broncos don't have any, any assets to make a trade because they gave all the assets to the Seahawks to get Russell Wilson – in the first place, to, divis- to only for him to deliver one of the worst seasons we've ever seen from a starting quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> it was it was bad. It's it's craziness. Well, let's talk like, about it's, it's so bad. It might go down as the worst trade I've ever seen in sports history. Bad. No, I think you're right. I, I totally agree with you. And also, like, I think maybe we, we need to get some clarity of what's going on with McVay because there's a name that's floating around there, and that's expected here soon. Uh, uh, McVay, that actually was reported yesterday. He is staying. He's staying with the Rams. Okay. Okay, because yep. that would be another name that I think the Colts would like to entertain <laughs> and, and, and talk with. But uh, I guess that that's no longer a story. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, the thing that's tough is, is several of these openings are very undesirable 
for lots of different reasons. Like, uh-huh. and, and what I mean by that is I think the best opening that might actually be out there right now is Carolina because they do have a solid roster outside of the quarterback position. Um, if they can get the quarterback position fixed, they're, they're in a really good spot um, with the rest of their roster. They've got a really good defense. Now, I know a lot of the players really want to keep Steve Wilkes, um, who was their interim coach, um, their defensive coordinator. Um, he is going to interview um, – but Arizona, they had an old roster and a crybaby child, you know, grown man child as a quarterback in Kyler Murray. So I don't know a lot of coaches that are going to want to go mess with, deal with his immaturity. Um, you've got the Texans that, I mean, obviously they have the number two pick, but the Texans have also fired coaches in back-to-back off seasons. So their ownership doesn't exactly have kind of like the Auburn situation any patience whatsoever with anyone, even when, like, everybody around the league is like, man, the Texans roster is terrible. Um, they still fire coaches, like, left and right. Um, I'm curious to see if the Chargers lose today, do they move on from Brandon Staley? Because we've heard for months that's where Sean Payton wants to go, um, is, is, to the, is to the Chargers to work with Justin Herbert. So, I, I mean, every opening – has a fair amount of work. Now, who ends up there? I don't know. We've already heard um, a couple names like the 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 the, the Cardinals are interviewing mm-hmm. Brian Flores, who is also yep. being interviewed in Cleveland for the defensive coordinator position. I don't know that Brian Flores and Kyler Murray would get along at all. Uh, I think that's a match made in hell. Um, and I kind of even wonder if the Cardinals, if that is their Rooney rule, you know, high interview. I have no idea where they're going to go. And largely because last, last coaching cycle, they went out and hired a failed head coach from Texas Tech. So they're just a complete kind of off-the-wall uh, organization in terms of what they do historically. Um, the Panthers are a tough, tough question because, again, the, the players want – Steve Wilkes, ownership wants maybe some sort of a bigger name. Um, I I think the best potential guy for the job for the Colts is the dude that they interviewed what yesterday, two days ago, and Eric the Enemy. Like, what more does the guy have to do? But the Chiefs lost Tyree Hill or traded Tyree Hill in the off season, and they still had the best offensive in football. Like, what what does the dude have to do to be given a, a, a shot? And so I don't know if he's just maybe like the worst interviewer in the world. Um, but, you know, that's where I would go to if I'm the Colts. I'd be concerned with Shane Steichen, largely because we all know Nick Sirianni runs that offense in Philly. So it's kind of like the Bill Belichick where it's like be, be wary about a Bill, a Bill Belichick assistant, as we have seen from, you know, every assistant that's come from him. Um I would be nervous about Shane Steichen just because of his age and everything else. I think the enemy is the best fit for the Colts. If we're talking who fits there again, I don't really know who's going to fit in, in Arizona. Uh, uh, somebody that may be a good option for them um, would be somebody, if they want a defensive head coach would be someone like a Leslie Frazier, maybe somebody like a Shane Steichen would work for them as a younger guy. Maybe he would connect with Kyler and maybe get him to start to, like, grow up. 
Um, but also he can run an offense that's very, you know, tailored for Kyler, similarly to what they're doing in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. Um, and then Carolina, I, I still think the best option for them is Steve Wilkes. Carolina finished pretty strong down the stretch, despite the fact that their quarterback situation was a mess. So, I mean, that's, that's where, I mean, if you need a quick rundown, that's where I would go with all of them. And for Houston, man, I don't know. I, I don't even have a clue what they, I don't know what they want. Like, if, if, the best thing for Houston is hire somebody. Leslie Frazier might be a good fit, but hire somebody. You need to overhaul that roster. Hire somebody that's going to develop young guys into grown men. And that's into a grown football team. Um, I think Jim Caldwell may be a good fit there, too. Brian Flores would be a good fit for them. Um, personally, I want Brian Flores to be in Cleveland as our defensive coordinator. Um, so <laughs> that's just kind of off the top of my head. The other guy that is not going to get any talk yet because they're still in the playoffs is D'Amico Ryan, the defensive coordinator from right. the San Francisco 49ers. He is, yes. If I'm a team that, that's not hiring anybody right now, I wait for D'Amico Ryan. Now, well, I think if, the Cardinals if the Colts are, have patience are, and want to wait for Ryan, he's your home run hire if you're the Indianapolis Colts. So, Chris Ballard, I know I just called you a moron, but if you're listening, you're probably not, but if you are, just wait <laughs> and hire D'Amico Ryan, please. If you do that, I That'd won't be great. call you stupid anymore. I will sing your praises. That'd be great. But, you know, the Arizona Cardinals have, have entered the DeMarco Ryan sweepstakes. I think everybody would love to have him uh, as, a, as a head coach. Uh, he certainly is a Red Hob defensive coordinator uh, for, the, for the 49ers. And, uh, yeah, he's, when, you get, when you get Adam Scheffner to tweet about you, you know you've made the list. <laughs> But uh, the Indianapolis coach vacancy is the only open open. They haven't even approached him. Well, they can't. Okay, I get it. Okay, they can't. They got to wait till he's, his season's done. Um, the the Colts have interviewed um, Kansas City offensive coordinator Eric Bahini. What do you think about him? So that's what I was saying. Like, I would. I think if you're looking for an offensive style head coach, hire him over Shane Steichen all day long, all day long. The enemy has got more years in it. I think I texted you this the other day. He's, he's your offensive home run hire. If you want a defensive head coach, wait for D'Amico Ryan. Uh, if D'Amico Ryan isn't available, let's just say he does go to the Cardinals. Um, I, I would say your number two option from a defensive head coach would be uh, – Probably Steve Wilkes, if he doesn't end up in Carolina. If he does end up in Carolina, Brian Flores would be great. Again, they're not interviewing him, haven't interviewed him, haven't requested an interview. So, like, I don't know what they're doing up on 56th Street. I, 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 don't, I don't understand. I feel, like <laughs> what they're asking, I feel like what they're doing is right now asking. Chris Ballard's looking at this saying, who will listen to me first, not who's the best coach. And that's that's the problem. I just I, – I don't – at this juncture, I don't know how anybody that's a Colts fan can have any confidence in what they're doing in that organization. Now, again, hiring a, a good coach, not settling for someone, is going to be 
the best thing. I'm not saying they settled for Frank Reich at all. I think Frank was a really good coach that got a really short end of the stick because we know that he essentially had no input on roster construction. When it came to the Carson Wentz trade, Jim Ursay was like, you worked with him before, make it work. Like, that's come out since, since then. And a bunch of people up front initially thought that it was Ursay or that it was the other way around, right? Something for Carson Wentz. But my understanding is, and what I've heard is the opposite. They thought because he had worked with him before, he could turn Carson Wentz around, and it was very obvious that there is, I mean, freaking Vince Lombardi himself or, or Bill Walsh couldn't turn Carson Wentz around. I think it's just, it's not, there's maybe Sean McVay might be able to turn Carson Wentz around. That's about it. Um, I, I just, I, I think he was forced into situations that no coach could succeed in, and then when it didn't work, was blamed for it not working. And, and that's just, you know, I, and then again, if, if, if a lot of people are saying, look, guys, Jim Harbaugh might be one of your better options with somebody that knows the organization, that you will probably value his input, and then they haven't even, like, interviewed him. I just, again, no one really has a clue what they're doing over there on 56th Street. And, and that's, what's, that's what's challenging. I, I so with the fans and there's, there's almost a feeling of just like malaise because nobody has a clue, and it seems like it's the blind leading the blind. So uh, about the Jim Harbaugh issue, and let's let's kind of look at the ghost from the past with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh has had the opportunity and offers to leave Michigan, and Michigan has come back and rallied and said. Hey, no, wait, we'd like to keep you. We're going to back up the Briggs truck, whatever it is. Whatever they had to do to keep uh, Harbaugh at Michigan after offers were already given to him. Uh, who's to say that that ghost still isn't haunting that closet over there? Well, but, but the thing is, is that from what we understand, Harbaugh was never actually offered those jobs. Okay. Like the Minnesota deal was not actually on the table. Minnesota wanted O'Connell first, and if O'Connell rejected their, their offer – Harbaugh was plan B. And, and besides that Minnesota offer last year, I don't know that Harbaugh had offers from anywhere. Okay. So well, I, then, that's the thing. Is I, think, I think we've heard rumors that, oh, he's had offers. And I think that's more floated out by, like, his people than anybody else because he wants to keep that fire lit. Now, can Harbaugh – can Harbaugh coach in the NFL? I, I, I think that's a valid question. I'm not saying I want Jim Harbaugh to the Indianapolis Colts. I'm just saying if you think he is a good fit, which we heard all offseason, like, you know, not even all offseason, once Frank Reich was fired, the Colts are very well could be, quote, unquote, looking that direction, and then he's not interviewed. And all you've done so far is interviewed – a couple court. It just feels like, guys, you would have assumed that having fired Frank Reich so early, they would be ready. And it feels like they're very unprepared. Kind of like when it felt like they were very unprepared when they let Frank Reich go, and they bring in Jeff Saturday, an ESPN analyst, 
to be the interim coach in what is not shockingly one of the worst jobs as an interim head coach I've ever seen in my life. Uh, every, every potential game time decision that he made was real bad. The only win they got was because Josh McDaniels is an equally horrifically bad head coach. Um, and and that's, that's the struggle for the, for the Colts right now. Is there's, just, there's no – it seems like they're a rudderless ship. A rudderless ship. Well, and you know, speaking of Jim Harbaugh, real quickly, where we've got a, a few more minutes here, we've never, if, if we're just looking at literalness, if we're just looking at, hey, what we know to be real, Jim Harbaugh has not said he's leaving Michigan at all. Jim Harbaugh has not said he's going to coach in the NFL. He's proven that he can, obviously, with the 49ers. And, but, uh, I mean, uh Jim Harbaugh has not come out and said or told anybody, at least in the press. Now, we all know there's these backdoor conversations that are unofficially, air quotes, happening. We know that, okay? But as far as the official of what we know literal, Jim Harbaugh has not came out and said that he's leaving Michigan. And and the thing is, he's not going to until he does. But the fact is, he interviewed for the Denver Broncos job. That's all that's got to be said. He interviewed for the Denver job. What does that mean? You want yeah. to go to an NFL organization. If you didn't want to go to an NFL organization, you don't take that interview. It's that simple. I agree. I agree. I do agree. So, so I, do I don't agree. think we have to question whether he wants to go or if he's come out and said it because nobody's going to come out and say it unless they are on the verge of getting terminated or essentially finalize the deal. Now, again, we haven't seen any head coaches – get hired yet it's all speculation at this point but when you're seeing multiple teams i mean for crying out loud the browns have requested more interviews for defensive coordinators than the colts have for head coaches mm-hmm. like it just again that's where it it just looks right now like they don't know what they're doing and that is not a good look because if i'm saying that as a fan you know there's agents and, you know, coaches that have openings around the league going, man, I don't know that I want to join that mess. Well, we'll throw, we'll throw out one more thing here. We, we have to say this every year. I mean, it's a, it's a tradition. Nick Saban leaves Alabama for what team? If Nick Saban were to leave Alabama – I would say there are two situations. One, Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert. You've got, you, you've got what Nick Saban would want. You've got a, an absolute stud quarterback, stud receivers, some phenomenal defensive players. Um, but I think a situation that would intrigue him, now there's some steps to, that would have to happen, and they already obviously already have a head coach. But that would be the Miami Dolphins if they could sign Lamar Jackson. Because um, they would have a stable of super fast receivers, Lamar Jackson, and a solid defense. But obviously they already have Mike McDaniel, who I don't and, – and, and at the same time, we've already seen Saban in Miami, haven't we? Uh, so I don't – honestly, at, this, at his age, I don't think there's any scenario where um, Saban leaves Alabama. 
Um, we've, been talking, just, we've been talking with Adam Jividen. Adam, you're going to stick around for the playoff talk with Ed, or you got to bounce? I've, I've got to get going. All right, buddy. We appreciate you, man. And uh, let's see what happens uh, in the NFL. We'll do some uh, drafting bets and see what happens, buddy. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, Buckeye fan, and Guardian fan. All around super great guy joins us to help us break down a lot what's going on with the Colts and uh, college football and, of course, this uh, NFL coaching carousel. We'll be right back with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor as we break down the NFL playoffs on the other side. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is Great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Croix P. 
PK, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it freshly yeah, roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Mandy, Mandy Pepperidge, well, I haven't seen you since we... Go away. I'm sorry, I can only stay a minute. Let me buy you some lunch. Oh, you've got your lunch. Well, how about some milk? You got your milk, too. Well, can I just massage your thighs while you eat? Do I have to leave? Is this any way to treat an intimate friend? Super Browns fan, Buckeyes fan, Guardians fan, Super Duper Cavs fan, uh, helping us break down the college and NFL coaching carousel and uh, talking with us about the impossible dream of, of fixing our Indianapolis coats as we're located here high atop the Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, a cold 29 degrees and snowy today. So one of, one of those January days. I knew that the, the 50, 60 degree weather days were going to come to an end. But to help us heat things up for playoff weekend is our own Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. How you doing, sir? Welcome to playoff Saturday. Wild card weekend starts today. How are you? Hey, Tom. Good morning. Yes, yeah, super wild card weekend, as it's now known. <laughs> super because wild card weekend. Games. Super wild card, right? right. So, well, I hope you're happens. feeling better. I know you. Will... Yeah. I hope you're feeling better. Uh, oh, yeah, ahead. you know, I, I'm, get, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's not, uh, <laughs> not 100% yet, but, you know, better days are ahead. Well, at least you've got a, a week off uh, before things start going with the Eagles. Uh, I don't know how much you, chance you've had to – to work with the Eagles uh, today and this week since you've been sick, but you know I get the the first round by that's that's a great deal, great win uh, over the uh, Giants to get to earn that number one weekend by uh, slot, sharing it with the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's let's get into what your thoughts of the Eagles 
uh, are in, in their current state and situation. Uh, give us an update on the Eagles and how they're preparing for the playoffs, and then we'll get into some of these games and try not to keep it too awfully long today, sir. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, the Eagles, um, I think the thing we learned this week is Jalen Hurts is going to probably play uh, through pain through all of it for however long this uh, – this run lasts in the postseason. He's got the, the shoulder injury that's still causing him trouble and still giving him pain. And uh, it didn't sound like that's going to subside anytime soon, even with this week off. So he's going to have to play through some stuff, but uh, you know, that's going to be an issue, uh, you know, for the Eagles because he's such a huge part of the offense, obviously. So we'll see if he can't, you know, get through it. Uh, and then Lane Johnson, the right tackle. I mean, two, very important positions on the field, right? Quarterback and tackle and Lane Johnson's fighting through a, an adductor muscle tear, which is in the groin. He said he's going to have surgery probably in a couple days after the season ends, whenever that is. So he's going to try to play through that. So, you know, the Eagles are, are pretty banged up, believe it or not. And even this week off, it'll help a little bit, but these two guys are going to play through pain and try to get through it and see if they can't do something special together. Well, you know, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Indianapolis Colts have a, a long-running relationship between coaches and players and so forth, and that, that continues. Uh, it, it, it appears that the Indianapolis Colts, or at least it has had some interest. I don't know that it will be until after the Eagles season ends, hopefully at the end of the Super Bowl. But Shane Steckton, uh, the, uh, your offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously he's uh, alongside uh, Colts offensive coordinator or for, sorry, former Colts uh, uh, coordinator Nick Sirianni. Uh, uh, but, you know, Stetson has Philly's offense running, you know, at a high clip. You know, certainly you've got Jalen Hurt, Hurts that he's been able to develop into an MVP candidate. Uh, and certainly at skill positions like Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith all had career years under Stetson. Um, what are your thoughts about the Indianapolis Coasters? We, we, we went – over the last half hour, we went through a lot of different scenarios for the Colts. They've completed two rounds of interviews. Uh, but, you know, that seems to be a name that – now, we're putting Harbaugh aside now because we he, they still haven't had any official interviews with Harbaugh. So, Harbaugh's still right now plan A, we hope, we think, we don't know. Uh, but this name uh, – but, but Shane Stetson's name is in conversation to come to the Colts. Frank Reich uh, is looking good. Uh, positional-wise to maybe be the next head coach of the Panthers, I'm told, as well. So there's the, the, those circling of coaches. Uh, I got off on the weeds, but Shane Stetson, the Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator, uh, conversation to be the Colts' next head coach. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think Steichen's supposed to interview today with uh, the Colts' hiring committee. Okay. And, uh, I thought they had to wait till after your season was over before you could actually do any formal interviews. Okay. Uh, coaches could actually, if you're on a buy this weekend, which it's only the Eagles and Chiefs that have that buy, you can interview this week. And uh, that's what Jonathan Gannon, their defensive coordinator, did with the Houston Texans. Uh, and that's what Spiken's doing with the Colts. So, yeah, you can interview this week. You can't hire them, though, obviously, until after the season ends, but you can talk to them. Uh, this week gotcha. and see, you know, kind of feel feel each other out and see if you want to move forward with it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, met, you mentioned Spike, and, I mean, he's done a, a really nice job. He's called all the plays. Nick Sirianni gave him play-calling duties after they started last year 2-5, and five, and 
you know, the Eagles haven't looked back since. You know, they finished nine and eight last year, and of course, fourteen and three this year. And and Steichen does a really nice job, <clears throat> I think, with the play calling, and that that's pretty uh, a a good thing to have on your resume. Um, and then of course the development of Jalen Hurts. Now you know Hurts isn't just built by one man. It takes a village to build a quarterback, and you know he's had Brian Johnson, his quarterback coach, help him, and obviously Sirianni, and. Uh, you know, and, and just Jalen Hurts' mindset, you know, he just wants to be great. He's got this, uh, you know, this thirst to just be the best quarterback he can be. So, you know, Steichen gets credit for some of that, but not all of the credit. Uh, but then you look, you know, people forget Steichen was the offensive coordinator for the Chargers when Justin Herbert came into the league. And Justin Herbert had probably his best year of his career, his rookie year. He was the rookie of the year um that year and Steichen was the one that was uh helping uh him develop so you know you can't overlook that either when you're talking about Shane Steichen he's young I think he's 37 or 38 but that seems to kind of be you know a little bit of a trend in the NFL and you know you're talking about the Colts job I would hate to see them hire Harbaugh I just don't like a recycled coach uh coming back into the league um uh, you know I'm not sure he would work in Indianapolis uh, I, I like going outside the box. And you and I talked about this, Tom, during the sure. week. Um, you know, I, I like that outside the box thinking. We've seen it here in Philadelphia with Jeffrey Lurie. He hired Andy Reid back in 1999 when <clears throat> Andy Reid was a quarterback coach for Brett Favre. Um, nobody knew Andy Reid. And he came in, and obviously now he's a Hall of Fame coach. He was here for 14 years in Philadelphia. And then they hire uh, Doug Peterson. Nobody liked that hire, but it, Peterson ends up winning a Super Bowl for them. Uh, you know, he hires Nick Sirianni. Who the heck was Nick Sirianni? Nobody knew Nick Sirianni. I'm not even sure people in Indianapolis knew Nick Sirianni was the offensive coordinator in Indianapolis. I mean, that's how unheralded it was. And, you know, all mm-hmm. Sirianni's done now is go 23-12 and 12 in the regular season, uh, you know, which is pretty remarkable. He's got him as the number one seed in his second year. So, you know – it's not always the coach you know that is going to help you. I think it's the coach that if you do your homework and you bring in a guy that, uh, you know, you do your homework on, then then see where it goes from there. You know, I, and I told you this, the Eagles hired Chip Kelly, and everybody loved that hire. He was a popular hire, and he was the worst of those coaches I just mentioned, Reed Peterson and Sirianni. So, uh, you know, he was kind of those guy, one of those guys coming in from college, and it didn't work out. So, I like the outside the box. If your coaching committee's doing its job and you hire a guy like everybody's scratching their head, like, Oh my gosh, who's this? Don't be surprised if that person has success if you're doing your job right. So I think Steichen is one of those guys. Not many people probably realize who he is or what he's done, but if you do your homework, you'll find that he's, he's probably got a pretty good chance to uh, do some good things. If he becomes a head coach. Absolutely. Very, very accomplished. I know a lot of people were, uh, this week in local media, I've been talking about him quite extensively about his acclimate. So really uh, excited to see where that goes. Okay, let's get into the super playoffs uh, here. So we'll start on your end of the, of the fence. You got the first round by this week. Uh, so you guys will have the winner between Tampa Bay and Dallas. Uh, again, you can never rule out Tom Brady, um, which, by the way, we talked in the last segment. It looks like he's going to be a, a free agent. Do the Colts uh, talk to Tom Brady? I don't think so, but, you know, got to throw that out there. Yeah. So, again, there's the Tom Brady effect uh, that that's going on there with that game. And, you know, the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers, how he has just somehow found his way back into the playoffs. That you just can never rule out Tom Brady. Of course, Dak Prescott helped Dallas Cowboys. Uh, well, there's significant challenges on their, on their way to the postseason as well. 
that so the the two uh, star quarterbacks will meet Monday night in the NFC wild card game. Um, well, I guess maybe ask you who do you want to play at home uh, in in the first round of the playoffs, or to, who do you think you'll play if those are two different teams, whether that be Dallas or Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, that's just form holds. I mean, it, listen, if the Seahawks somehow find a way to upset the 49ers, they, which I don't think they will, but it could be Seattle that comes to Philadelphia in that first round next week. Uh, if the Giants beat the Vikings, it could be the Giants that come to town. So, you know, those two things, you know, Vikings and the, and the, uh, and the 49ers would have to win before it comes down to if the Eagles were to play the winner of Dallas and Tampa. Um, and I, and I, I'm thinking it's going to be the giants, to be honest. I think the giants are going to beat the Vikings. And I think we're going to see the giants back here in Philadelphia uh, for round three in that first round. But as far as if, you know, who I'd rather play Tampa or Dallas, I, I don't think it matters much. Um, you know, the Eagles and Cowboys have a lot of familiarity. Um, you know, the Eagles took the Cowboys down to the wire with a backup quarterback, um, you know, Dak Prescott's not playing overly well. I think he's thrown, you know, 15 interceptions in 12 games this year. He's thrown an interception in seven straight games. Um, and this Eagles defense can get after you. Uh, you know, the Eagles defense had 70 sacks as a team, which is the most a team has had since uh, 1989 when the Vikings had 71. And it's only two away from the all-time mark of 72 that was set by the Bears and 1984 so you know the Eagles will come after you and you know Dak uh, isn't the most mobile and neither is Tom Brady so it doesn't matter who they play at this point you know they're playing for your for your season each game each team's playing to stay alive and keep going Um, so I don't don't really have a favorite I think the Eagles will be I think in that first game whoever it is I think they'll find a way to win and then at NFC championship game I think will be tough with the 49ers uh, probably the 49ers that would come to Philly. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it matters to me who they play in that first game. I don't think it matters to them, whether it's the Giants, Seahawks, Cowboys, or Tampa Bay. I don't I don't think it matters. I think it will be tough, tough sledding for any of those teams to come in and win. Um, the Cowboys, I think, would probably play the Eagles better than any of them. Um, but, but, you know, I, I don't know if it will matter. I think this bye really does help a lot for a team. Um, I know it always doesn't work out. You know, Tennessee Titans had the number one seed in the AFC last year. A.J. Brown, who had, a you know, an all-pro year this year for the Eagles, was on that team with the Titans. And he said, hey, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen for you. They lost the first game last year that did to the Bengals, 19-16. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I think this bye helps them. And they can kick back and kind of watch and see who they're going to play. But they don't know yet. It could be one of those four teams. And I, I think it's going to be the Giants. Well, let's kind of go through uh, the uh, the N- N- NFC uh, playoff uh, games and, and just get your opinion on each each game. We'll start with the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Kyle Shanahan knows the challenges of trying to beat an opponent three times in a season after falling short a year ago in the playoffs uh, to the Rams. And certainly, though, the, the 49ers have a dynamite, uh, red-hot uh, offensive coordinator in, in DeMarco Ryans, by the way. His name's been floated around uh, to the Cardinals and to some other teams. The Colts haven't really had much of conversations with him, but you would think that DeMarco Ryans would also be on the list for uh, coaches' uh, changes for the NFL. But that said, games got to happen. Seattle Seahawks, 
San Francisco 49ers, San Francisco 49ers 13-4, Seattle Seahawks 9-8. and eight. You mentioned that the Seahawks, if they were able to, to pull this win off, it would be a huge upset. Uh, but what are your thoughts as the 49ers open the postseason uh, in a similar challenge when, in, in, with West Seattle? I cannot talk on a Saturday, though. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> yes. Uh, San Francisco went into Green Bay last year, right? Green Bay was the number one seed, and uh-huh. they and they knocked off Green Bay. Um, the, the 49ers are well-rounded on in all three phases: you know, offense, defense, special teams. You know, Brock Purdy. <clears throat> I know there's a lot of love for Brock Purdy, and I think he was the quarterback of the month uh, in the NFC or the offensive player of the of the month, I should say. Uh, had a great, you know, has had a great start, um, and, and we'll see, you know, if once the <clears throat> the stakes get even higher, uh, how he performs. Um, again, he's a guy that, you know, he has a little bit of mobility, some decent feet, but he's a guy that can get sacked. And, you know, I'm not sure how if the Seahawks will be able to do that. I, I just think the 49ers just crushed this team in the first two meetings. And I don't see any reason why they can't beat him again by, I think the line's almost 10 points. I mean, I would probably take the 49ers with that, but <clears throat> giving up those points, to be honest, I, I just think that, Seahawks are fortunate to be here. They had a really nice year. Geno Smith has really opened some eyes. Has done, uh, you know, a great job. Maybe comeback player of the year material for you know having struggled early in his year his career, and now he's doing a nice job. And I just think the 49ers are on another level at this point. And uh, I, I just don't see a path for the, how the Seahawks win this game. The Giants and the Vikings, of course, the Giants, 9-7-1, and one, as, as, you, as you mentioned, they are a very good team. I've, I've liked watching them this year. I kind of thought they'd finish a little bit better than they did. Of course, the Vikings, 13-4. and four. You know, the, the, the Vikings quickly found their stride under the, the rookie head coach, Kevin O'Connell, as a confident, close-knit, resilient team um, you know, with, with really – they, they're, they're firing all cylinders. I know you mentioned that you thought that the Giants might beat the Vikings, but at the moment, Vikings at home seem to be the, one of the biggest challenges in the postseason right now. So as we look at the Giants and the, the Vikings, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think that, you know, the way the Vikings played all year, you know, having to take every game down to the wire and then, of course, overcoming, what was it, 33 to nothing against the Colts, you know, and coming back to win that game. Uh, just, yeah. There's not a lot of confidence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we know that the, game well. <laughs> you remember that one? Yeah. It's, it's just not a lot of confidence in the Vikings. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, it's not to say they they won't play good. I mean, they they play close games all the time, and so do the Giants. I mean, this is this might be you know my favorite matchup of the weekend to just see how it pans out. Uh, I know they played earlier in this year, this year, and the Vikings had to come back to win a, a field goal game. Um, so I, I expect a, you know, a real close game, but I, like I said, I think the Giants, their pass rush has gotten better over the last month. Um, you know, and Kirk Cousins is, you know, he gets sacked an awful lot. So I think this would be an interesting matchup. And I, I do think the Giants find a way to win maybe another, you know, field goal game or even less, you know, maybe one or two points, but I think it, it you know, it's probably my favorite game of the weekend that I'll, that I'll try to watch a lot of, but, uh, I like this matchup for the Giants. I think they can beat the Vikings and, and move on to come here to Philadelphia for round three. The Giants are 0-2 against the Eagles this year, but uh, that second game they played all their backups. Uh, so it would be a much better game, I think, if the Giants were to come to Philly. But I like the Giants in this game to beat the Vikings. 
Well, one of the, the most feel-good stories uh, of the NFL in going into the postseason is obviously DeMar Hamlin in the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills host the Dolphins. I have seen some Twitter chatter that he's going to try to be in the stadium, uh, not on the field, obviously, but in the stadium for this game. I hope he can do that. Just what an amazing story this whole thing has, has turned out to be. It just You know, across the NFL last week to watch everybody, uh, you know, take a knee and, and, and uh, just uh, play, pay respect to DeMar Hamilton. Hamlin, obviously, as we know, had a cardiac arrest during Monday Night Football just a week or so ago just to, to see his improvement. It's just made this one of the, the feel-good stories like you always like to see. And, and, you know, certainly we like to see a lot of teams go to the, the Super Bowl. But what a good feel-good story it would be uh, if the Buffalo Bills could make it into the Super Bowl. But first things first, 13-3. and Right now they host the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins have, have kind of had that uh, seesaw type of uh, bring-around-the-rosy type of season. But here they are uh, in the wild-card game, the Dolphins and the Bills, tomorrow, 1 o'clock on CBS. What are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, well, I mean, look at the other side of the of the coin here. The Dolphins, they're they're playing with I think their third string quarterback here. I think Teddy Bridgewater's a game day decision, but you know, obviously two is not going to play, and that leaves them with Skylar Thompson. Uh, you know, who I'm not sure he can score enough points to keep up with the Bills. Uh, and uh, yeah, you're right about Demar Hamlin. What a what a great story. He did get out of a a Buffalo hospital. You know, he was discharged from the Cincinnati facility, the hospital there where he had been for, I guess, a week. And then he went back to Buffalo and was put in the hospital there, but he has since been released, I think just within the last day or two. So yeah, that'd be great if he could be there. And I, and I like the way the bills, you know, this is a good emotional lift for the, for the Buffalo bills. And I think this can take them uh, a pretty long way having DeMar Hamlin's presence there. Um, and I, and I don't really see the – again, this is a game where it's a shame the Dolphins don't have their first-string quarterback um, because I don't give a lot of uh, hope for Skylar Thompson going in there to beat uh, beat the Bills. I think the Bills are on a pretty good roll, and they're going to handle this game, you know, probably by a touchdown or probably more, to be honest. Uh, you mentioned on, on the uh, on the other side of the fence there, one of the games you're watching most intensely. I think one of the, another game on on the AFC side here that a lot of people are paying a lot of attention to, and that's the Ravens and the Bengals. Bengals are hosting the Ravens at uh, 12 and four, obviously looking to have a, another Super Bowl. As you know, how hard and how difficult that that is to do. But we'll see how that happens. But they start that road, that journey uh, tomorrow night, 8:15 on NBC with the Baltimore Ravens. The Bengals, the Ravens play for the second consecutive week and the third time this season on Sunday night in a wild card playoff game. The AFC rivals know each other pretty well by now, so this should be a very, very good game to watch tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I think it would be a better game if, you know, Lamar Jackson was playing. Uh, you know, that mm-hmm. whole thing's kind of weird, like with the knee, is he's not playing because of the knee or because of his contract situation and you know, and you look around the league, everybody's playing hurt. You know, I mentioned Jalen Hurts and Lane Johnson. They're going to gut it out because they want to do something special. And, you know, you would think if Lamar Jackson could walk or, you know, somehow just, you know, drop back and throw a pass, he would play. Um, but, yeah, again, I mean, I, Tyrod uh, Huntley, I guess, is their backup. He's a game-day time decision. If he doesn't go, it's Anthony Brown. I mean, I, I, you know, unless the Ravens' defense shuts out the Bengals, which I don't see happen, and I think the Bengals will take care of business here. Uh, it's a shame 
Jackson's not playing. It'd be a much better game, in my opinion, if he were playing. Uh, but again, the Bengals are well, playing playing well, and uh, the Ravens aren't, and they have a third string quarterback that's probably going to play, and that kind of takes some of the luster off it for me. I mean, my AFC match to watch is the Saturday night game, really, with the Jags and the Chargers. I, that's the game I will yep. probably be my second that biggest watch of the weekend. Um, yep. But yeah, I think I think the Bengals will take care of business at home. Well, and here's a, another thing about Lamar Jackson. Uh, you'll be surprised how much money can can change things. What I am disappointed in with the Col- the Colts, they're actually entertaining conversations about bringing him, and then also Tom Brady, and then Jimmy G. And you know, I'm okay with that maybe because <laughs> get the, I won't get back on my Colts soapbox today. But Chris Ballard still has a job. He's going to have a job. He's going to he's, he's going to be a big important process of of the of the draft. But he's never drafted a first round quarterback ever, and so why would he change his way now? Um, so you know, the Colts have already said they have no interest in Derek Carr, but for some reason they do have interest, maybe possibly. And again, rumor mills talking with him, Jimmy G possibly, a Tom Brady possibly. Those are all names floating around, but uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, has a knee injury, can't play the playoffs, but uh, is is being talked about being a quarterback for the Colts. I know that gets us off in the weeds a little bit, but you you follow the logic behind that. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it, man. But I listen. They better draft a quarterback. I mean, there, there's a few good ones. <laughs> Tell me about out, it. And, yeah, and you're going to have the fourth overall pick, and maybe trade up to the first pick and. You know, if you have a chance to get Bryce Young, who who I've come around on him. I I was, I always thought, ah, he's too small, he can't take a hit. But then I watched Devontae Smith, who I said the same thing about here in Philadelphia when he came out of Alabama, weighed like a buck sixty, soaking wet, and he's taking some shots. And that guy just keeps getting up. I mean, there's some guys who they can play at their size, and I think Bryce Young is one of them. And I don't, I don't think I'll ever question size again. <laughs> As, as far as that goes, you have to see with Devontae Smith, some of the hits he's absorbed, and he just keeps get, getting right back up, 1,200 yards receiving this year. Uh, just a great year from, you know, the former Heisman Trophy winner. So I would take Bryce Jeff. I'm the Colts, man. I'm, I'm taking a – I'm taking – I know they love Will Levis. I think they're, they're in love with Will Levis. We do. A lot of people yeah. – I, I personally think he'd be great here as a franchise quarterback. But uh, yeah, you'll see where he's at at four, but, yeah uh, – Quarterback out of UK is who you're referring to, and yes, uh, he's a, he's yeah. certainly got a lot of popularity here. A uh, lot of people, I mean, a lot of people. I would say most people say figure out a way to get CJ Stroud, and a lot of people were afraid yeah. that CJ Stroud's going to be there for us, and Chris Ballard's going to pass him up, and that's going to be a real disappointing draft. But like yeah. I promise, I, I won't get. But, but, I won't get back on my Colts. No, I, 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 that for, I, I, no I, I like this Colts talk because I, I'm, I'm with you. I think, listen, if you want to bring in a Jimmy G for a one-year contract or even if Lamar comes on a one-year $30 million deal, but you still draft a quarterback, you know, and you, and then you get him to learn maybe a little bit behind whoever it is you bring in, but only on a one-year deal if you're going to bring in a veteran quarterback. Because I think if you bring in a new coach, you got to bring in a quarterback for him to develop. And that's why I'm not so sold on Harbaugh as the guy is, I think you need to get a quarterback developing type coach. And that's why I think Steichen makes sense. If you're going to draft a quarterback, you bring in a guy who can develop him. And they, the Colts can't miss that opportunity. 
I totally, totally could not agree with you more, sir. Tonight, as you mentioned, it's the Chargers and the Panthers. I mean, not the Panthers. The other cats, <laughs> the Jaguars. Uh, right. AFC South uh, champion. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I said all along, I mean, just by default, I thought the Colts could win the AFC South. They're the biggest embarrasser. I, 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 everything circles back around, especially when we talk about the AFC South. But to see the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs and us sitting at home watching them play the Chargers, you know, I, I have to root for the Chargers anyway. Logically speaking, they, they are the better team on the road uh, against the Jaguars. But the Jaguars have proven this year that they can win, and especially win at home. So uh, tonight, 8, 8, 15 p.m. on NBC, the Chargers 10-7 and 7 and the Jaguars Nine and eight, uh, the over-under is 47. What are your thoughts? Well, I like the quarterback matchup. You know, I like Trevor Lawrence against Justin Herbert. Um, you know, and, of course, I'm partial to Doug Peterson. You know, I'm a big big fan of Doug Peterson, the person, uh, and the coach, obviously. But uh, what, what he's done to turn this franchise around after Urban Meyer, you know, torpedoed it last year <laughs> – uh, it has been just phenomenal and probably the coach of the year, in my opinion, is Doug Peterson. So I'm, I like this matchup. I think it's great for the people of Jacksonville. You know, last week we saw that game against Tennessee. I mean, that, that place was rocking, the, the, the Jaguar Stadium, and you rarely ever see that. So, you know, I think that's good for the people in Jacksonville to have a playoff game here. And I think it's going to be a tough environment for the Chargers. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Jacksonville defense is tough. I mean, they won that game last week against the Titans to get in on a, on a fumble recovery, uh, scooped up and scored. Otherwise, you know, Jacksonville wasn't doing much offensively. They need to find a way to get a little bit more uh, out of Trevor Lawrence this, tonight if, if they're going to beat the Chargers. Uh, you know, the, the, the Jaguars' offense really struggled late in that game last week. If not for the defense, they would be at home and We'd be watching the Titans and the and the Chargers, but uh, it's the Jags, and it's you know I know you're rooting for the Chargers, but when you've had a franchise like like the Jaguars that have stunk and have drafted first overall for like you know four of the last ten drafts or something, you know that's who I'm rooting for is the is this underdog story. And I know the Chargers haven't done a whole lot of playoff winning either, but you know I'm I'm, I'm pulling for the Jags. I don't know who's going to win. I think I hope it's a close game. I hope it's a down to the wire, yeah. and let's see which quarterback pulls it out. Well, all four starting quarterbacks in today's wildcard game, Seattle's Geno Smith, San Francisco, Brock Purdy, Los Angeles' Justin Herbert, Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, all are making their, their NFL postseason debuts. And as the old saying says, your young quarterback grows up to be a young man when he hits the postseason. So we'll see how many of these young quarterbacks grow up to be young men uh, as, as, as well. So also we've got the – I think we just went through them all. We did the, the Ravens. So we, 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 we went through them all. Kansas City's number one in the AFC South. No shocker there whatsoever. But who do you think is going to be playing Kansas City in their first playoff game? Not yeah, first a, playoff game, but good. first playoff game this season. Sorry. Clearly not their first yeah, playoff no. game. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Who, who's, who's the fourth seed in the AFC? Because I think that's Jacksonville. I'm not sure. Uh, okay, yeah. I, I think it'll – well, <laughs> boy, that'd be something. Jacksonville and Kansas City. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Chargers and Kansas City. That'd be a good game. I mean, they've played – they're in the same division, right? So they've played a couple times this year. Um, I think it's going to be the winner of 
of tonight's uh, Chargers-Jags game who's going to go to Kansas City next week? I think it'd be fun to watch Buffalo and Kansas City. I think that would be a fun game to watch. Yeah, but, that's the, that would know, be the championship, gonna... right? I, that that can't well, happen until the championship. The round, championship right? game, yes, you're right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean yeah. next week, but yes, you're right. But no, yeah, I would love to we'll, see we'll, that game too. In a neutral site, they picked Atlanta to host that game, right? So, you know, that game would be <clears throat> in Atlanta, um, which would be really weird. But uh, I, yeah. that's what I want to see. I want to see Buffalo and KC again. As you know, I have a, a hat collection, and whoever wins the AFC. Uh, I always uh, get a hat, but I have a Kansas City hat. I have a Buffalo hat, and I didn't have a Buffalo hat till here recently. So there's that aspect of who I root for, and I've got a Philadelphia Eagles hat now. So you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I want to buy another team. I want to. I'm certainly fly Eagles fly on the NFC side. Uh, the Eagles have grown yeah. to be my favorite NFC team. So uh, I, I can I can be a fan of them, be a fan of the Colts same time <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely well, how about a jacksonville hat how would you look in a jacksonville hat wouldn't that be something i would feel weird buying it but i would uh, just to keep my my tradition hat. I, I don't have any other afc south team hats so uh they could change but uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i i'd be i, I would we'll buy see. it just to, to add to my collection i i, I yeah. run out of play i know you can't see my office here right now the where we also do studio, but uh, I have hats everywhere, stored up, whatever. So uh, Melissa got me a real nice compartmentalized organizer for my hats for Christmas. So I got to get that put together and get all my hats put together. But yes, I have a well, there you go. I have a collection of hats like you wouldn't believe, dude. I've got bags of them and boxes. You know, I follow racing quite extensively, too. So I have a ton of racing hats. Uh, and then, of course, you know, baseball hats. I've been doing this since I was a kid. My grandfather, I'm uh, getting off of the weeds here, my grandfather collected baseball hats. And so I started, he gave me my first hat. So I, I have, if you ever need a baseball hat, man, I, I've got, I, chances are I've got one or something of it. I should go in and inventory them all because I don't really know how many I have. I honestly don't. <laughs> they're they're in the thousands. Well, I, sure. <laughs> you should take this momentum that we're building here, and in the five hours between now and kickoff, you should put that departmental like organizer together, and then you can start doing your hats, and then you can see exactly what you have, um, and you then take what? a picture that's, of it and send it to me. That's what I'll try to do. Got some other things going on today, too, but I'll try to get it done. <laughs> okay. That's all you can do. Nothing beats failure like a good try. That's right, buddy. Follow that. All right, man. I appreciate <laughs> you trying today, Dad. I know you haven't been feeling well. Uh, where can people find your work and masterpieces? What you working on this week, sir? Yeah, well, just getting people ready for the playoffs uh, or for the Eagles playoff game and, you know, keeping an eye on Jalen Hurts and Lane Johnson and Josh Sweat's also hurt. But, yeah, you can find me at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E, uh, or at SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. All right, Ed. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor, never fails to raise the bar of this show to a, a brand-new level, sir. You have yourself a good, yeah, a good look, weekend. I'll look forward to that hat picture, Tom, whenever you get it done. <laughs> All right, buddy. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, to you, buddy. All right. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. And SI.com, our official NFL contributor, helping us break down the um, – 
the NFL playoffs. Also, Adam Jividen, um, our Super Browns fan, a Super Buckeyes fan, Super Duper Cavs fan, Guardians fan, all-around great guy helping us break down the college football uh, coaching changes and also the NFL coaching changes. And, and so we're in the playoff weekend, guys. So let's make it real. Let's make it happen. Unfortunately, the Colts are not in the the playoffs. My name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Don't drink and drive. It ain't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Mm-hmm.